Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. Hi, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Jerry Bell Jr. And it's August 1st, 2018. And Jerry, we're going to start you off by asking, why acting? What got you into acting? Oh, um, yeah, I moved here to um, Portland about 12 years ago. Um, I was living down in Arizona at the time. And um, I was dating this girl who, uh, whose friend worked for a casting agency here. And um, whenever we meet up with them, she'd be like, hey, you know, um, you should come out and do some acting. You know, you have a good look. I'm like, what? What does that mean? I, I'm still trying to figure out what that means, what, what good look means. But uh, I wasn't interested um, because I, I've watched the audition process and, and um, it's very um, judgmental <laughs> and subjective. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to be in front of people being scrutinized and judged. So I wasn't interested in it. And uh, one weekend she came to me, they were shooting a Toyota commercial and the guy they hired from L.A., uh, got sick and couldn't come up, and they wanted a big, a big, dark-skinned guy to show off their truck to see, you know, just the space the truck has. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she told me how much he was gonna get paid, you know, and it's just for a weekend. I was like, I'll do it. I go try it, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, after after being like an hour late on set, <laughs> because I was really nonchalant about it, right? It was just more like, um, okay, I'm going to be on on screen, and. Uh, I showed up and the, the girl runs out. She's like, Jerry Bell's here. <laughs> I was like, whoa, you know, and I got in and, and um, we, they sat me down in the makeup chair and the makeup artist was really nice. And they were like, hey, what do you want? Anything you want to eat? You know, and um, she even massaged my scalp, the scalp <laughs> of my head, right? So I enjoyed being on set, meeting new people. <laughs> I mean, because um, I was an engineer before and I'm used to being in the labs and kind of being isolated from everybody. And I'm more of an extrovert. so. Uh, being able to meet new people, be in a, at a new location. We were like on the river, on the Willamette, and they had this big boat hooked up to the Toyota truck, you know? And uh, it was just the experience, you know, being places I'd never be. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing it and meeting, meeting new people and uh, being pampered. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like a, a baby Denzel. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was a really good experience. And, and I was, you know, I said, I want to do a little bit more of this. And uh, my second job was on that level, too, which is unheard of when you, uh, you start off as an actor. I came in as a principal for that Toyota commercial. Mm-hmm. Then they were shooting a movie called Management here with Steve Zahn and Jennifer Aniston. They brought me on as a featured extra, paid me a lot of money to shoot on set for two days. I had fun, you know, and that's when I decided, hey, this is what I want to do. And so um, I started doing background acting, mm-hmm. you know, uh, background. And... Uh, but that was a lot of work. I didn't like that at all. Uh, decided to take some acting classes, you know, when he got an agent. And the rest is history. So at what point did you decide, like, this is what I want to do. I want to do this or, you know, I want to get into entertainment as, a, as for good. Hey. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> um, well, it was kind of like an epiphany for me. Um, I took some, some time off for work. I took some stress leave, actually, from work. I was working real hard as an engineer and... Um, during the summer, I went to the coast, hung out for a week. Then I ended up going to the Dominican Republic, hung out there. And, and I just started, um, you know, just evaluating my life. And I'm like, hey, I'm not getting any younger. So I decided that, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I realized I'm not getting any younger. So I decided to, um, to um, go and pursue it. I didn't want to look back 10 years from that day and say I didn't try. Sure. You know? and, I, and the window time was kind of getting close for me because I was 38 at the time. So. So was there, you talk about kind of the, the background, not enjoying that as much. How did you get back into the kind of the, more towards the spotlight? How did you get more towards the things you wanted to do in front of the camera? When I, when I um, so when I tried to get an agent, you know, um, she shot me down. She, you know, she gave me the monologue. I didn't really know what the monologue was and I got up and, I mean, I recited it proud, loudly, very clear. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, you know, she was like, hey, you have a good look. She said, we can use you, go study improv for a little while and come back, for about three months and come back. 
So I went and studied improv and I fell in love with improv. And I ended up doing improv for about two years. And uh, then I realized, okay, I want to get back to scripted work. And then I started, I started back getting on script. Sure. And uh, yeah, and, and once I got going with that, I realized how much I really enjoyed it, so. You mentioned that you came from engineering background. How did, how did that come about? Why did you want to be an engineer? Uh, well, it was like pressure of growing up. I grew up in a real rough neighborhood in Atlanta. And um, I had the opportunity to go live with my dad. He was, he was in the military and uh, he was in the army, so he traveled quite a bit. And I got a chance to travel, mm-hmm. get around diverse people. And uh, when I graduated high school, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Ended up going in the Air Force into engineering, um, EE, electronics engineering. So I worked, I worked on radar equipment in the Air Force, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I worked on satellite equipment. So the path just kind of laid itself, you know. It was all about, it was all about the money. It, was, it had nothing to do with passion. It was like, hey, what job can you get that's going to make a lot of money? And it was, it was electronics or computers mm-hmm. at the time. And so mm-hmm. I went where the money was. Uh, but I never saw all that money, though. I never got all that money. <laughs> so I ended up you know, going to the military. I studied, um, went, went and got my bachelor's and master's degrees. Um, came to work for Intel. That's what moved me out to Portland, being originally from Atlanta, Georgia. And um, yeah, and I just kept on trucking. And before I left this, uh, my job, I was actually a project manager at Intel, um, negotiating contracts. Wow. Yeah. So, what was it like? What was your what were your first impressions of Portland and the area when you, when you got here? I well, there there wasn't any diversity. I mean, we're talking like 1998. So, when I came here, there was like not hardly any people of color, mm-hmm. and um, and it rained a lot. <laughs> so, those were the two big impressions <laughs> that stood off just off the back. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so yeah, so the lack of diversity. And the rain, the weather got to me pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And a, a very beautiful place. You can, 45 minutes, you're at the coast in the mountain terrain. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. It reminded me, I graduated high school in Germany, so it reminded me <laughs> of my years in Germany. And, you know, and Germany has, the, they had the gray skies and everything too, sure. so. Sure. So once you get into the acting industry, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you're dealing with? What are some of the obstacles you have to overcome? As an actor? Yeah. There's so many, you know, it's a tough industry to get into. Um, you know, first, first you have to prove yourself. You know, you have to, you know, I don't think there's really a such thing as a natural. You know, I know they say, hey, he's, an, he's a natural. It's very rare if you are, mm-hmm. you know, and I underestimate him when I come in, but I had to do a lot of, a lot of training and study. And I did um, a lot of acting classes here in Portland from uh, film acting teachers. Mm-hmm. I had to decide which route I wanted to focus on. Um, I decided to go more film. You could do theatrical, you could do film work. I, um, I did a little bit of theatrical, and it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for people that do a lot of stage work because it's, um, it's a lot of work with a little bit of money. They don't pay much, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, or you can go do a commercial, shoot for a day or half a day, two days tops, you know, and make a lot of money um, or royalties, et cetera. So. What about your interest in working behind the camera? Where did that come from? That come from working as an actor um, in the independent film community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's a lot of work, you know. Um, the challenges was actually being respected as an actor, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, as a black man, a big black man um, in the industry, you know, you, you tend to get um, archetype, stereotype, mm-hmm. in a sense. So, um, so you have to, in order to really be able to prove yourself, you gotta be able to get up and give dialogue on camera and talk and speak and, and, and shift and become a character, you know? So it's not easy. It's not easy doing that. Um, the rest of it is more, to me, feels more political because there's no, the way I feel, there's no limitations to what you can do. It all depends on, there's this invisible line, mm-hmm. or glass ceiling, so to speak, where you kind of held back because, because most of everybody want to get in the industry. Mm-hmm. And if everybody came running, you know, they can't accept everybody. So it's like a, a little system, uh, um, informal systematic process that goes on behind the camera. I mean, um, in front of the camera as an actor. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, but doing that and working on these independent film projects and, and seeing some amazing projects, mm-hmm. you know, and usually, you know, at the at the TV series level, 
the higher network type level. I worked on those projects. Mm -hmm. Then I came back to the indie film community and I see that there's a lot of people that, that are extremely creative but don't know how to manage, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, they don't know the business side of it. So to me, there's like a, um, and this engineering in me too that comes out, it's, um, <laughs> there's a lot of waste, you know, making film on a project, on a film project. Uh, not, not planning ahead and so as an actor, I come on set and I sit all day to do one little scene. I'm like, why, you know, why am I sitting here all day? It's like hurry, a lot of hurry up and wait. Um, <laughs> and then when I started really getting good at acting, I have directors that come out and they try to give me direction on how to play a character that um, as an actor that I actually got to study the script and I got a good feel for the character and, and, um, and some of the directors, they all operate differently. Mm -hmm. uh, don't trust what the actor brings to the table. Um, in this community, uh, one of the directors, there's a couple directors that come and if you're trying to tell me how to be a black man from the South, <laughs> then I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a, a problem with that if, if um, I don't think the direction you're going is gonna work. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up down South, I grew up in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So if you're a white guy from Southeast Portland and this, you've never been anywhere but in Portland, <laughs> except for a weekend trip somewhere, then, then it's challenging for me to have to follow your direction. Mm -hmm. So uh, that made me want to get out and start doing my own creative work. So what were the kind of uh, lessons you took with you to be, when you were starting to, be, to direct? What were some of the things you kept in your head in terms of, I don't want to do that to these people, or I, I definitely want to remember how to do this? Like, what were, what were you thinking about? I was thinking that, you know, if you, hire, if you take the time and cast the right people, if you cast in talent, then you have to trust them mm -hmm. a little bit more. And so, um, so when I do film, it's like, hey, let me see what you have to bring to the table first. It's not, I don't go in and with a lot of direction. I like, I like to, to have a conversation about the, the character a little bit, but I pretty much let the talent get out there and lay down the groundwork and, and then, I, then I make some adjustments. Mm -hmm. Sure. So you've won a number of awards, including uh, just recently a Best uh, Well, I'm a Week's Best Actor in Portland Award. Uh, you won a Best Director Award. Congratu wow. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank uh, what does it mean? What does that mean to you? I feel I feel validated, uh, justified, uh, appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I put a lot of work into what I'm doing, and uh, it feels good when when the public, when people start to acknowledge that, mm -hmm. and, and, and it and it brings value. You know, besides, you know, because a lot of actors feel like, a lot of people in the industry feel like, if you do a one-up thing, you can get lucky sometimes, right? Uh, but if, you know, if I'm on a continuous path, then it makes me feel really good and proud of the work I'm doing. It makes me want to keep giving and keep going, you know? Sure. Have, have, have you noticed opportunities coming to you because of recognition like this? Uh, well, yeah. So from the director side, which um, is an award I got a couple years ago, mm -hmm. I've had a lot of people reach out about their film and bringing me into their film and uh, directing and help producing their mm -hmm. film. Mm -hmm. um, as an actor, you know, I just got the award last week, so or two <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> so, um, you know, there, there's a couple people who actually kind of reached out to me very recently about, you know, about different roles and, and parts, but um, I haven't really seen the whole, the, the butter of it all yet. Mm -hmm. um, I was on, actually this article came out today on One Lime at Weekly about me um, directing, um, just as an actor and directing Red, White, and Black. It actually came out today. I oh, haven't wow. seen it, but it's, on, it's online. I glimpsed that a little bit. Cool. Yeah. We'll check it out. So yeah. it's all kind of happening right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really in the, in, the, in the thick of, in the eye of the storm in a sense, locally. Um, as You can call it local celebrity or whatever, but I feel like a local celebrity. I, I, I know I'm, I'm acknowledged nationally uh, from commercial work and stuff like that, but uh, my hub is here, mm -hmm. you know, um, this is my community, and, um, and so I, I feel loved and acknowledged really being here in Portland, and um, yeah, people, people st are starting to reach out. I was just on the radio um, Sunday night on uh, 107.5, talking about my path, you know. Um, I've had a, a few corporations reach out to me to do some public sp inspirational, oh, nice. motivational speaking, That's so cool. I'm, I'm on that path now. And uh, so I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just feeling my way through, you mm -hmm. know, and it, and it feels like it feels like it's, you know, it's not even uphill anymore. I feel like it's like I reached the kind of reached a peak in a sense, mm -hmm. and things are kind of getting a little bit easier for me. And so I hope it I hope it continues that way. Sure, sure. 
So you talk about kind of commercial success and, and, and uh, recognition. I think for a lot of people, you're, you're kind of known as the Swiffer dad still, even after all the other things you've done. Yeah. So what's that like being known for, and having people kind of recognize you vaguely from something like that? Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. It, you know, it blew me away actually. Uh, when that commercial came to town, so they did a national search for a single dad. That right there alone says a lot, right? Yeah. They decided, hey, you and your son, you know, we want you in this commercial. Yeah. And, um, you know, to shoot the commercial, and they didn't tell anybody what was going on. My, my agent didn't know. The casting directors didn't know. Um, no one knew what it was. We just knew it was a cleaning product. And um, the process was they, they brought me in. And I remember when I went in, I was like, I was kind of in a bad mood that day, too. I was tired. <laughs> and I got there, and I was thinking it was going to be more than an exclusive exclusive kind of uh, audition. Mm -hmm. But I walk in the room, it's like 30 guys there. I'm like, oh God, you know. But anyway, I get in and they just asking me questions about my life, being a single dad and, and uh, cleaning up behind my son, you know. And, uh, and a week later I got a call like, hey, uh, they want to see you again. They want you to bring your son in too. And so I took little Jerry in and uh, we got in front of the camera and uh, he was really shy. I remember he kept hiding behind me the whole time and they kept trying to talk to him and I was like, oh God, we're not gonna get this right. <laughs> well, I left, I was surprised they called me back and then they, um, they asked if they could send a photographer out to my house. And um, so they brought in a photographer. He just followed us around all day. And then they Skyped me at my house. They wanted to see my floors and all this stuff. Like, <laughs> so I said, okay, now we're in the cleaning process. But I felt good about it. Like, hey, I hope I get this job because it's like, you know, it's a long process. I've never seen a project like, you know. You know, we booked it. But um, the most amazing thing to me is to, you know, I, I have found a new passion mm -hmm. and, and my, have my son be a part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it don't get any better than that. I think, I think that kind of commercial, um, what they call a grade A national, is um, one of the best commercial jobs you can get as an actor, right? Um, but, you know, being able to bring your child into it mm -hmm. and, and, and let the world see. I mean, they did as real as you can do it. They didn't tell me about I didn't know what it was until I opened the door on the doorbell. Ding dong. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was. I kept asking, are you guys going to tell us? Like, in time, you know. <clears throat> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing because because that commercial's real. Mm -hmm. You know, it's my son and I in our day-to-day -day life, mm -hmm. you know? And then to be acknowledged in not just, you know, it was overwhelming at first when, when uh, we travel and people see us together and, and autographs, my son was, um, was uh, overwhelmed a little bit, but, uh, but when people started writing me, um, especially, you know, uh, poor families that, um, that the father's not there, mm -hmm you know, for whatever reasons, incarcerated or, or, or men not stepping up as a father. And um, the people that are reaching out to me with um, sincerity, uh, what touched me the most, it's what touched me the most. So I had a, I had a fan base of, of, of ladies <laughs> that are at home with their kids by themselves and their husband's not there. And, huh? and uh, they, they thought it was very um, inspiring. And, sure. and, um, and that's, that's the best feedback I got from, from it all, you know. How did uh, to be loved? Be to be loved across the country. Sure, you know, of course, and rec recognized and loved. And recognized awesome. and loved, yeah. How did did Jerry did little Jerry eventually enjoy the process, or did he kind of was it kind of overwhelming for him throughout? He was a master. <laughs> Actually, I was feeding off him. Seriously, it's really? like I think he you know he was four at the time. So at that age, you don't care. It's like whatever. I was worried about all the direction they was giving him. They it's like hey, run in the room, grab the cup off the counter, turn it a little bit, like a quarter of a turn to allow some of the juice to spill on the floor, then yell, Dad, you know? And at four years old, he was just knocking it out the park, man. He go get the cup, <laughs> spill, Dad, you know? <laughs> I was like, he, he, he's actually the star of that commercial, by the way. Yeah, it ain't about me. Does he have still have interest? Is he thinking about acting as well? Is he still doing it? You know, it's very interesting. Um, he, um, he didn't like it at first. Well, well at first he liked it. And then he got this, I think he went through a shy phase. We were going to auditions or whatever, and he just kind of got tired of that. Mm -hmm. And then um, just over this past year, he's expressed doing more. So uh, so we've been doing auditions. He's doing a lot of modeling and stuff here mm -hmm. around town. And um, we're about to launch a, a little a YouTube channel oh, nice. for him, a little YouTube show, uh, which is going to follow up on the, um, I don't know if you ever heard of the Hunting of the Sunshine Girls. But it's a huge YouTube channel. It got like 500,000 subscribers. And uh, the lady that runs that channel 
Um, they actually work with Disney. Mm -hmm. To the, the little girl who, who's on that show, the star, she's got like three books written, based off of her YouTube, her YouTube show that started off. But we're gonna fall up under their umbrella. Nice. And uh, launch this show pretty soon. So. That's exciting. So he wants to get back into. It. He's excited about it, about get the show going. Some, something you could be directing him in something. I'm gonna be. Yeah, I'm gonna be. He's gonna be the star. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be in it. So. <laughs> nice. Um, so you talked about kind of the we talked about that sort of the increasing opportunities uh, as a result of some of the recognition you're getting. So how are you working on um, in terms of uh, what to say yes to? How 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 is your process in terms of not getting too dodging too much and kind of figuring the projects you want to do? You know, at first I wouldn't turn down. I wouldn't turn down anything. You know, it was you know as an actor starting off, it's like you try to get experience mm -hmm. in front of the camera. So people come to me with all kinds of crap. Good stuff too, but mostly crap. And I'd be like, yes, yes, sure, 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 sure. You know, it's taking up a lot of my time and a lot of my family time too. Mm -hmm. But, um, sorry. What's happened now, what's happened to me now is that um, <clears throat> I have so much coming in, so I have to prioritize. Mm -hmm. and, and then there's been projects that I say, hey, I think I'll do it, you know. And very recently I'm starting to really hone in and focus on what I'm passionate about. You know, and that's where I'm at now. It's like I've even had to take. I've I've started a couple projects, and I realized like, okay, I don't want to put the time into this. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to focus on this. Mm -hmm. This is the message I want to get out. So the red, white, and black documentary took three years to make. You know, from concept to finish. Mm -hmm. From the first day I sat down with Bertoni and talked about you know his life as a winemaker, uh, it took it took us three years to completely get it done, complete it. And that, you know, documentaries take time. It's a lot of research, a lot of work. And that was my first documentary, and, and um, it was a good learning experience for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'll put my energy into something like that, my time, then it's gotta be something meaningful. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what it is. You know, I have to sleep on it sometimes. Like, do I really want to tell this story? Sure. And, um, and so I've actually had the opportunity to um, do another wine documentary mm -hmm. on black winemakers nationally, right? And um, Oh, it's going to be called Journey Between the Vines. And um, so I'm passionate about that, you know. I've, I've become passionate about wine, which is cool, especially minorities in wine. I'm sure. passionate about that. And then, um, you know, in, in the film I won the Best Director Award for was um, it's kind of like a part of the, it was before the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. but, you know, about a lady um, being a rape victim mm -hmm. and, and her survival te techniques or whatever. And to me, it was meaningful, you know, and that's the kind of stuff I look for now. Sure. So let's talk about Red, White, and Black. Um, talk about how you first got introduced to Bertoni and the, the very idea of the project at all. Yeah, um, so I met Bertoni when he was uh, working at Sake One as a, um, as a host. It's the only sake place, I think, on, in the Northwest, mm -hmm. you know, Pacific Northwest. So I, I was a member of the sake place, and I'd go there, and he'd be there, and we'd you know, kind of exchange words here and there. But uh, as I got on my path of producing film, um, he he reached out to me. I think I think in his mind he was like, you know, I want to share my story. You know, tell talk about the challenges I've I've had to face in the wine industry. And and so he came to me about it. We went sat and had lunch, and he's like, hey man, I know it's a long shot. And I think he was thinking I was gonna be like, no, that's a it's a bad idea. But I, I thought it was an amazing idea. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I said, hey, let's do it. And and uh, and so I was kind of feeling it out too, like how to proceed, mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm I'm talking about industry I've never even tapped into. But the good thing is, um, I was what they call a global sourcing manager at Intel, where I negotiated contracts, big dollar contracts, for businesses, mm -hmm. um, businesses I don't even know anything about. I had to go in and learn to learn to uh, do the marketing research, learn the business, know know where to go to get what we needed, like like facial software, facial recognition software. Mm -hmm. IT service stuff, very highly technical stuff. So I'm like, well, I can go learn film. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, and, and, and it is technical, technical, the equipment's technical. And, but um, I feel like it was one of those things where I've, I've been around more ambiguous um, environments and industries going to learn it. So I've, you know, I didn't feel like film was really that difficult to learn, you know? Sure. Sure. And, um, and during, during the whole process, though, it was like, Besides the business and the engineering, the technical side of it, it's like um, the creativity starts to come out too at the same time. Sure. 
So from Bertoni's initial, your, your initial conversation, what point did you decide you want to do the project? And then sort of at what point did the project take its ultimate shape and become not just Bertoni's story anymore? Okay, can you repeat that? I'm sorry. That's okay. My so, brain is still kind of... <laughs> So you, from, from meeting with Bertoni the first time, mm -hmm. what point did you decide that the project was something you wanted to pursue? And then at what point did it become like the, the bigger project that it became, not just Bertoni's story okay. anymore, but also the story of just minorities in the industry? All right. You know, um, so when Bertoni came to me, we talked about it. I think I told him it was a good idea. Uh, he was very proactive, you know. He came back and, hey, what do you need? What do we need to get started and everything? And uh, that kind of motivated me, mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, well, he's serious about sharing the story, you know, and then, um, and the more I started talking to him, the more I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. I want to help him share a story, mm -hmm. you know, um, and during, during conversation, I knew how I wanted to shape it, and I kind of got ADD. I, I never been diagnosed, but I have a short attention span. I've I watched a lot of documentaries on wine, you know, mm -hmm. during the process, and, and, uh, and, you know, most of them fail to hold my attention. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I respect the wine industry big time, but when you're just talking, when, when you look at, you know, 10 different documentaries, and they're pretty much talking about the same thing. And it's pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I decided it was, it was a great opportunity to go and give a different perspective on the industry as a whole, you know, not just focus on this is how you drink wine and, and this is how the grapes are grown and, and that kind of deal. I wanted to kind of focus on the industry as a whole mm -hmm. and it allowed me to do that. Um, so yeah. So what were your initial impressions of the Oregon wine industry as you started to learn about it? Well, um, <laughs> it's, it's the, the initial, I, I, you know, I was really excited at the fact that the Oregon wine industry is growing the way it is. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm excited that at some point in time, I believe Oregon's going to be number one in the United States as a wine producer. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's really exciting. Traveling, wine tasting, and, and and the excitement from the people mm -hmm. that are within the industry in these small towns outside of Portland. Um, it's, um, you know, it's intriguing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm really intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. um, well, I'm not intrigued by the fact that there's hardly any diversity, you know, and when you go out down to uh, McMinnville, Dundee area, um, you're not, that's not what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. and, and the more I got, I dug into the research, you know, all I'm seeing are, are white faces. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. You know, I was down there on um, this past weekend, and um, at one of the wineries, and they got there's a book about Oregon wine, and you flip through that book, all you see are white faces. Mm -hmm. You know, all these rich people, <laughs> with a lot of land. Mm -hmm. You know that that can do it. Mm -hmm. And so, with that being said, it's like, hey, we have a totally different story here of people that are getting into the wine industry, and they have to they have to pro approach it from a t totally different angle. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not it's not land that was handed down to their their, their parents. And their grandparents, you know, these are people that barely even have, a, you know, a quarter acre of land, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and just being able to acquire that and doing it out of their backyards, True. you know, True. they're going out buying grapes from other places and uh, and making the wine majority of the time. So, uh, yeah, that made me want to just get out there and tell the story even more. Sure. So, at what point did you bring in uh, Jesus and Remy and Jared and, and Andre into the story? What, part, what point did it become more than Bertoni's story? Right, right. I, yeah, I, I kind of got off track. So no worries. I was going no on my ADD kind of deal. <laughs> I'll come back to it. When, you know, when I got, when I got Bertoni's story, you know, and I, I seriously think that it's a documentary within itself, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but I felt like, you know, I felt like it would only do one, one culture of people any justice, mm -hmm. you know, um, because because I realized that there's only a handful of minority winemakers, period, and we we can only find maybe one or two. But I wanted to share, you know, the challenges of being in Oregon as a as a black man, a person of color, a woman, and then now people are becoming more cotton of, of the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. So you know, we talked about that. I was like, hey, you know, let's let's make it. Let's, um, let's make it, you know, where it can inspire more than just one base of people of color, mm -hmm. you know, or any minority. You know, let's make it a minority story. And Bertoni, he, he agreed with that, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's when we started to push forward. So as you were doing your research and as you were meeting the, the stars of your, of your movie, what were some of the challenges that they were dealing with that 
maybe you weren't expecting, or maybe you were expecting? What were some of the things they talked about in terms of challenges they had to deal with? Well, so I wasn't expecting anything. You know, we, we first started documenting, actually, uh, we had one of the team members, that one initial team members we had to let go because he came in trying to tell us how to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, that scripted out, and I wanted it to be completely organic. I wanted to, to learn these people's stories, you know? Mm -hmm. um, what, what I learned is like, all minorities kind of have the same challenges, mm -hmm. some in different ways than others, but um, you know, it's, this country's, a lot of it's like white, especially white male, and your other. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much how it works. So white male and other. So women aren't on that same equity line. Mm -hmm. um, any, anybody of color aren't. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, anything else, you know, anything else is not on that level if you're not white male, <laughs> mm -hmm. period. And so um, I feel like everybody's challenges are similar in a lot of ways. It's more or less the background of how our ancestors got to where we are today. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like it was important for it to be able to inspire different cultures, mm -hmm. different minority groups by identifying someone in each group that can come out and speak to their challenges. Sure, sure. What did you, what were your hopes for the sort of people's takeaway from the documentary? And, and now that it's been shown and you're getting, starting to hear people's feedback, has that been the feedback you've been hoping for? Like, what, what was your goal? <clears throat> you know, my goal was just to, to, to honestly, organically share these people's stories, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I, wanted, I wanted to get, capture exactly how they felt, you know, and then um, cultivate it and put it together in a film that's, that would, would grab people's attention you know, that would, um, that people want to sit through and, and be able to sit and watch again, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so my goal was to attract, attract an audience to be able to inspire them and educate them. Uh, a lot of people, since I've been here, there's a lot of people who don't know Oregon's history. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that don't. And I asked them, hey, do you understand why there's hardly any diversity here? And they don't know, mm -hmm. you know, they don't know. And uh, so I felt like it's important that, that, hey, let's educate the people on the history of Oregon the Oregon Trail, the people that came here, what brought them here, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and what their, their mindset was, what, what, were they, what their goal was for this, this white utopia they wanted here in Oregon. You know, why did they want to do that? And, um, and I like them on, you know, the KKK's involvement mm -hmm. in the communities, et cetera. So it was more, it was an educational piece that it gave me an opportunity to throw that in along with this is why these people don't have 320 acres of land that, that was given to their grandparents, you know, and um, and so it allowed me to do that. And, and the feedback that I'm getting is it's been really good, mm -hmm. really good feedback. It's the film has been you know um, accepted by the communities. Um, I shot the film in a way where I wanted to. I didn't want to bash. I didn't want to be like you know shame on you white people, you know, anything like that. I wanted to be more of hey, look, this is the history. This is where we're trying to go. Let's all go together. Mm -hmm. Let's move forward. Let's, let's learn what's going on and then let's move forward. So it wasn't, I tried to, you know, I tried to attack the dark side first early on in the film and then, I, then, I, then it slowly lightens up mm -hmm. and then get more into, hey, what are these, what are their goals as winemakers and what would they like to see and, you know, what, what we all like to see in the community, so. So you mentioned earlier from your commercial some of the feedback you got, like the letters and things you'd gotten in. Have you heard from people since the documentary came out about, hey, now I think I might want to get into the wine industry, or hey, this, is, this opened my eyes to something I didn't know about? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've had you know, people approach me on the street and cry, you know, um, get teary-eyed, talking mm -hmm. about, I didn't realize that you know, Oregon was so brutal and the last law, they know anything about the last law. Um, I've had some kids that talk about going into a venture cultural program in school and, and say that the film had, has inspired them. Um, yeah, I've, I've been approached from different ways. Mm -hmm. um, there has been a little bit of, you know, kickback, mm -hmm. you know, uh, along the lines of um, one lady expressed her political concerns about the film. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's a bourbon there by Trump. And, we never mentioned the name, right? It's more or less, you know, uh, Remy is expressing that it feels like the climate has changed. Like we've jumped 20 years back, uh, you know, since this guy's coming to office. And I, you know, I put a, 
a quick picture of him. And um and so some people some people have a hard time with that, you know, but sure. but you know, and they're like, Hey, don't you think you have a broader audience or people will, you know, be more accepting to the film if you didn't do that? And I'm like, Well, it's not about people being accepted to the film, it's about the facts. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's why I didn't take it out. It's, you know, either they're gonna like it or they're not. True. You know, and, and hopefully we get a um, you know a good majority of people that, that feel inspired and, and wanna see it and and wanna get the true message, but I'm not gonna go and pull some important points out because your political view, mm -hmm. right? Sure. So I'm curious, now that you have the experience both as an actor and as a director, uh, which one feels more personal to you? Which one feels like you're putting more of yourself out there uh, to be judged? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, because either way, when you're out in the public, you're being judged. So as an actor, I, th I, feel, like, I feel like you're more... The director side is where I feel more judged mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm expressing I'm, a, um, I'm expressing myself internally, creatively from the inside primarily. As an actor, I'm acting. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's not real. As a director, it's real. Mm -hmm. Depending on depends on the content, right? But um, I feel like I feel like I'm putting myself more out there creatively and emotionally through the documentary. In the documentaries I'm doing, I'm exposing a lot of myself. Where as an actor, I can go and pretend. So acting to me is more of a physical type mm -hmm. of judgment. You know, hey, how's the guy look? Do he look good on camera? Will he look good with the couple? He's supposed to be the dad. You know, there's a lot of that going on, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, as a director, is you're exposing yourself. You're you're sharing what people kind of get a, a feel for what's important to you, mm -hmm. to your creativity. And um, and so that, that makes that, I feel like it makes you a little bit more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So now that you have a closer relationship with the Oregon wine industry, and you've come into contact with more people in it, and you've all done the studying and research, what is what have, what about your impressions of it have changed? Uh, what have you as you've learned more? Do you have a different impression as when you came in? Well, um, I, I say that I didn't know much about wine when I started. You know. In the article, they, it says, you know, in the article, I remember like one of the first interviews we had when the film came out, they were like, what kind of wine, wine you drink, right? And uh, but anyway, I used to drink like a lot of Riesling and Moscato. I like sweet wine, mm -hmm. you know. And, and in the industry, I didn't understand, like, what's the big deal? You know, you, you shouldn't, you real wine drinker, you shouldn't want, you know, sweet wine. I'm like, all the time, I'm like, well, I like sweet wine. Like, it's a wine, right? It's okay. <laughs> it should be okay. But... Um, but but I, I develop a palate and a, and a different taste for for certain type of wines that it really stands out. And then yeah, I'm not I'm not as intrigued by sweet wine anymore, you know. But uh, just the exposure to to the Oregon uh, the Oregon wine industry, mm -hmm. the exposure is something I never would have paid attention to, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I go to winery for fun, and most of the time, not like the wines I drink because I didn't really have the appreciation for what they put into it. Mm -hmm. And the taste and what it what it what happens to my body, you know, when I drink. Mm -hmm. um, but but I've been able to kind of cultivate and 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 grow as a wine connoisseur in a sense, you know. So I, I consider myself more of a connoisseur now. Uh, I have a, a, a broad spectrum of wines, mm -hmm. wines I like. That that's done me some justice. Uh, going to different wineries and meeting the people and and, um, and a lot of people acknowledged that I that I make that I made the red, white, and black. Mm -hmm. uh, I got so much wine in my place right now. I'm, I'm, I'm always getting wine. <laughs> you go wine. There's benefits to being wine, a do documentary, wine documentary uh, director. There's a lot of benefits. And one is wine. Like you drink a lot of wine. And then my, my wine bottle. Yeah, I got my own wine coming out. Let's talk so, about. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's called the Director's Crush. And it's um kind of kind of um inspired through um, the documentary, Red, White, and Black. That's why we got the label. So I designed this label, by the way. So basically, it's got the um, it's got a part of the poster from the wine documentary, mm -hmm. but then it's set up like a film strip. And this is just a prototype. The actual bottles are going to be released September 15th. But it's called Director's Crush. It's a red blend. Um, we chose to go with Undefined, and, and the reason why is because through my my learnings um, in the wine industry, and we we were talking about in the film, we talk about how how it had it had it had it become a, a more of a high broad culture mm -hmm. uh hey let's sit here and talk about the wines and people get in death deep in death and what they're drinking 
and whatnot versus um, coming in with preconceived judgments too mm-hmm. of what the wine is. So it's a conversation, you know, we could have offline away from um, the initial start of this wine because I want people to taste it and, and see how they feel and try to understand what it's about. I give I give more high level um, details on the wine. You know, it's um, very fruity on the nose. I mean, when you smell it, it's, it's gonna smell like a very sweet wine. Mm-hmm. And then when you drink it, I put it more in the medium perspective. It took me a while to dial down to exactly what I wanted, but I didn't want it to be too dry. I didn't want it to be too sweet. So I found a zone like right there, perfect for me. So. And hopefully people kind of got the same taste buds I got, <laughs> which I know they don't, right? It's very subjective. <laughs> then there's a little slate here at the bottom. Just kind of remind you, hey, you know, it's based off a film director. Mm-hmm. And it's based off me, um, Jerry Bell Jr. And then on the back label, it tells my story and, um, and how we try to um, capture my life, you know, as a winemaker. Um, not winemaker, as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. My life in general and as a filmmaker and how we try to cultivate that and, and, and make it into this wine. True. So I'm really excited about it, and, and um, the feedback I've gotten has been really good. I took something back home to Atlanta, <laughs> to some of my folks, and, and you know, people who are heavy in the, in the wine industry. Mm-hmm. Back at home, we don't have like we don't have much wineries in Georgia, but um, I want to get their perspective on it because I know most people down south like sweet wine. Mm-hmm. People I know, and um, they like it. They like it a lot. I will say, you know, it had, it has, for me, it has to aerate for about five minutes. Like, you can't just pop it open and start drinking. But when it aerates, because uh, I did that once, I was like, oh man, I come up with this? <laughs> but when it aerates, it's, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. So what was your role in the process of making it? Uh, I know you worked with Bertoni on it. So mm-hmm. what, uh, did you have full say over where the grapes are coming from and the whole process? Or what, what was your role in that? Yeah, it was, it was, hey, I mean, what do you like? What do you want? You mm-hmm. know, we had those conversations and, uh, and we based it off, um, off of red, off of red wine of 2015. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I went through some of the wines and I say, I like the way this tastes. You know, I want something similar. I wish it was a little different though if it was sweeter. Mm-hmm. And then he come out with different wines because it's a bland and say, how does this taste, how does wine taste to you? And I do it and then we mix it together. So I was heavy into the mixing process. Sure. It was actually, it actually took me about a month to dial it down to exactly where I wanted. I was going back, going back to the winery, tasting it, okay, try this, try mm-hmm. that, so. So what did you learn about the actual winemaking process at that point? Was there something that you didn't know about how wine was made or at that point did you pretty much know and this was just kind of Deep yeah, by this time, by the, I mean, we just pretty much finished this um, this mix about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. But I've been working on a documentary for three years, sure. and, and during which time, like, I was in the middle of Harvest, mm-hmm. capturing capturing them, um, capturing Harvest, and I was a part of it. I was helping pick the grapes, carry the grapes, press the grapes. They're sure. doing the mixing processes. So I, I've gone through the process like two years in a row. Sure. So I got I got that real training. Like he, he they put me to work out there to feel like every all hands on deck kind of deal, like camera, no camera, you know. So what was that like? What was the what was it like learning the process? Did you did you enjoy it? Did you have a new appreciation for it? Was there Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean I enjoyed the process. I mean I'm not, you know, I'm not real big on all the labor. The labor part of picking grapes, you know, and carrying or dumping in buckets. <laughs> uh, but uh uh, but just just watching it, you know, watching the process and being a part of it um, got me into it, right? It's like I feel like I can. It might not be good wine, but I feel like I can go make wine mm-hmm. in a way. I, I don't know if I make good wine though. You know, I need Bertoni's help for this. I need his help for this. But yeah, it's it's. I, I respect the people that do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, a lot of patience. You know, farming is a lot of patience. Yeah. And capturing that right moment to go pull the grapes and. Um, I did learn that, that nature has a lot to do with everything, mm-hmm. almost everything, to making wine, you know. Mm-hmm. 2015 Oregon was a great year, <laughs> and, uh, and that's what people get excited about when they see that on the, on the bottles. I didn't know what that meant, like, this is the 2014, you know, Malbec, you know, like, before that, I was like, who cares, like, <laughs> <laughs> is it good or is it not, you know. So throughout your process, uh, what do you think about the future of Oregon wine from a diversity perspective? Will it become more diverse? Is, is it becoming more diverse? Do you, what are your thoughts on it uh, changing? 
Yeah, I think that um, I think you know um, initiatives like this film it's going to open eyes to a lot of people mm -hmm. in the industry. Definitely, definitely um, uh, the exposure of diverse winemakers is going to change the game too. So I mean, since this since this film even got started, you know. The people, the winemakers in the story are getting getting some exposure and mm -hmm. people are coming out and trying their wines. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what it's going to take. Um, understanding that it's not just a highbrow industry, like you can enjoy it. You can go to someone's tasting room. They don't have to have the vineyard, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I mean, Bertone's vineyard, you know, they, he's, they, got, they have a vineyard, but it's not beautifully manicured and you know it's not miles and miles you mm -hmm. look out over the horizon and twirl your glass it's not it's not that story right mm -hmm. but um you go out there in his land you know you're gonna climb some hills and you need a machete probably right and and that's the reality of it for for a lot of people who don't have that those beautiful landscapes and whatnot mm -hmm. so um but the, the younger generation what we're seeing is they're not they're not into just sitting outside or it's quiet, listening to birds, and you know, watching the sunset. You know, they want to have a good time. Mm -hmm. You know, he mentions that in the documentary, and, and that's what we see. You know, younger generations want to go in and sit down in the lounge, pour wine, and, and conversate, dance, and eat good food. You know, sure. um, so I, I think that um, just the, the culture, the experiences, it's going to make the difference, and it's going to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I go to a winery. It's, I, I think it's nice to be able to sit outside and, and look. It's, that's beautiful, and hopefully you got some good conversation, something good to talk about. But uh, but I think getting out and, and embracing the people, everyone that's around you, mm -hmm. and communicating and toasting glass and kind of partying up a little bit is, is um, another aspect of it that's really important. Sure, that should be acknowledged. And I think that's I think that's direction is taken. I think it's going to be more of that, more of that involved. You know, and it'd be nice to just see a really good balance of mm -hmm. each. If you want to go have your wine experience, you know, in the limousine and go out wine tasting, which is fun. I just did it Friday. <laughs> it was hot as hell, but uh, I did it. <clears throat> you know, and it was fun. You know, but uh, it was hot. <laughs> we were outside burning up. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I more enjoyed being inside. You know, where the music was playing mm -hmm. and talking to the people while they pouring my wine. You know, the pourers and and. Uh, and then having fun with the people I'm, I'm there with, sure. versus just you know leaning over the rail and you know oh, this is pretty you know it, it's more about the experience. It's so much about the experience. Mm -hmm. that, that's what the wine industry is about. It's about the experience. Mm -hmm. And going to Bertoni's Winery, obviously at Abbey Creek, you, you're getting you're getting hip hop music and you got video games and you got great food and you got it's obviously designed yeah. very much like you're talking about. Yeah, he, he's he's um, captivated the culture he want to put out there, you know, and it's like it's like adding seasonings to a great steak, you know, you want to make it better or make it your own and, and that's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's bringing up some of his hip hop culture to go in here, good music and and um, I mean, I was there um, two weeks ago for one of his um, his suppers he do and mm -hmm. they did a luau style. They had a big pig roast, you know, and, and um, Salad. They had cornbread croutons for the salad, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very unique. You know, you get in and it felt really southern mm -hmm. in a sense. I'm from the south, uh, but then you go in other times. It's, it's something different. Mm -hmm. Some different foods to pair with. He's doing barbecue sauces, hot sauces, all kinds of different sauces and whatnot with the food mm -hmm. and the pairings. Um, the, the wineries I've been going to lately, you know, it's like you get some crackers and. You might get some chocolate. I, I, I ain't even see too many crackers anymore. I don't even know they're even doing that anymore. <laughs> I went to three wineries a weekend. I'm like, you know, you guys, I, I had to ask for crackers, you know? So I'm not sure if they cutting back on budget. I can't see why, but <laughs> but it kills experience though. You know, he's drinking and um, I guess if you're hungry, I guess they do they do pull out like a, a plate. You can get a, um, a meat plate mm -hmm. or a cheese plate, you know, for $20. Not quite the same, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you talked yeah. earlier about your next project, uh, the uh, said Journey Between the Vines, is that what you said it was called? Yeah. So tell us about how that came to how that came to be and what your plan is. Yeah, um, well, um, this, this lady um, who owns this company called Urban Connoisseurs, she had a podcast that she does about winemakers, um, black winemakers in general, and um, she interviewed Bertoni and I, and during the process, um, she she's talking about a book she's making 
about black winemakers. Mm -hmm. She wanted to do a, 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 a national, uh, about winemakers nationally. And, um, you know, I was like, wow, they, you know, they're winemakers nationally. And, and she kind of enlightened me on, you know, there are vineyards in Virginia, mm -hmm. New Jersey area, and, uh, and some of the history of some of the black winemakers from that. So we're gonna, um, and this, this is like all since the prohibition. Uh, so she's done a lot of research on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started shooting back in November, very briefly. And, um, and then the project's put on hold for a little bit. We're gonna be picking up here pretty, pretty soon. But yeah, so it's gonna be, we've identified, we've, you know, and then something interesting about the wine industry too. It's um, just about anybody can call themselves a winemaker. I can call myself a winemaker. I got, I got this thing. You know what, there, there's, there's music artists that can slap a label on a bottle and say I'm a winemaker, you know. Um, and so when we were trying to narrow down the scope of this project, um, the journey between the vines, mm -hmm. the red, white, and black, when we narrowing down the scope, it's like, okay, there's thousands of winemakers. Like, how do you get to the heart of it? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and um, Breton is one of the grape to glass type, the dirt, I call it dirty glass, mm -hmm. where he's actually farming. So it's really about wine farmers, mm -hmm. and that's what this one's going to be about. It's going to be about wine farmers, and there's only like maybe seven that have their own vineyards that's out there growing the grapes, picking them, you know, bottling them, mm -hmm. so, yeah, doing it all. There's only a handful, and uh, so then you know, it's like how do you, how do you share that? You know, when I say winemaker, how do you make people appreciate that these guys are in the trenches? Mm -hmm. You know, they're not just slapping their name on the bottle. Sure. So I know it's early in the process, but do you have an idea in mind for what you would like to portray? What 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 message you're trying to get across with this with the project? For Journey Between the Vine, it's it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's like I'm gonna do the same process I did with Red, White, and Black. Mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm gonna listen to these winemakers' stories mm -hmm. and and understand their challenges and uh, make a film that's that's gonna be real that that uh, that the people need to know and hear. You know, it's it's gonna be about them and their challenges and their struggles because I, I feel like people relate to realness. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why reality shows are so popular. <laughs> you know, people talk talk a lot of trash about them, but um, there was a point in time when reality shows were really reality shows. I mean, now they're kind of toned down and a little bit, a lot of influences and persuasion that goes along <laughs> and yeah. the way they're produced. But but uh, people are drawn to that though. If it feels real, then, then you know, it's like, hey, I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that's really what I want to do. Sure. What about other projects? You are now that you are, like you say, in the eye of the storm. Uh, what else are you planning on doing in the next few years? Do you have any passion projects coming up? Yeah. Well, so um, so I'm, I'm we're gearing up to do Tinderbox, which is a feature-length narrative film. I want to do a couple of those. Um, and Tinderbox is a suspense thriller. And at first, I was going to really push that, you know, to go get funding for it, but. I realized that I'm not as passionate about it as I thought I was, you know? And, and I think that through my process of like, hey, I want to do, do, do things I'm more passionate about. Instead of just raising my hand on every project, you know, I'm realizing I want to find something that's really more in depth. And so uh, Tinderbox is going to be more of an indie-based film, and I'm pretty soon I'm going to go out and push for a campaign to raise some money. I'm not even going to ask for much. Just want to get out there and do it, you know? Mm -hmm. you know um, the script's written really well. We shot a trailer for it. So there's a trailer online on my website at jbjunioproductions.com. So there's a trailer for that. We shot that in um, North Plains mm -hmm. and in McMinnville. Through my connections, I met through the wine industry. So, so I got some locations through that. Um, so I'm still looking for my, my big feature. Mm -hmm. But Tinderbox coming next. Uh, I've kind of drifted off into TV shows. So uh, I just finished up a talk show pilot, TV talk show pilot called Baby Talk. I'm working with this producer out of Atlanta, Georgia, on that. Mm -hmm. So we're um, we're on the cusp of going to pitch it now. Uh, I'm trying to understand uh, what what platform we want to push it out on and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and then I told you about my son's YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. That's going to be more some more experimenting sure. and uh, getting out there. And, and I like I like having him along for the process. So I'm passionate about that sure. for his growth, you know, in the industry. And um, as an actor. Well, I just finished um, this new TV show they're shooting here. Um, did a couple cameos in it. It's called Documentary Now. That shot, um, we shot recently. I'm getting more back on the, I took a break to focus on the film producer, mm -hmm. but I'm getting back more into acting now. 
So, um, so I'm gonna, I've been trying to clean myself up for that, get head shots and start back working out and everything and just trying to get ready mm -hmm. to be on, on screen. Um, we were in a 48 hour film competition this week, this past weekend, which was a lot of fun and just kind of getting back, getting my chops back up. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Do you have like a dream project in mind, either as an actor or director? Is there something that's just like, if you had all the money in the world and all the time, you would, you would do this? Yeah, I, I mean, if I, I, I would love just to direct a, a blockbuster level feature film, you know, something that that's acknowledged. Mm -hmm. As an actor, I would love to work alongside Denzel. <laughs> Uh, that that's kind of that, that would kind of be my dream. You know, he's getting older. I'm getting older too, so I can't really talk smack. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I'd love to be like in a in a film with with him or one of the actors who inspired who inspires me as an actor. And there's a few of them too. But um, yeah, that's that's my goal. I, my goal is just to sustain, you know, financially, and to be creative mm -hmm. and enjoy life. You know. Sure. What about in the wine industry? Do you see a future for yourself there? Do you ever plan of owning a winery or being a winemaker or anything like that? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, it's been like floating around very recently. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm learning more and more about the industry. I've made a lot of connections here. Uh, and some people reached out to me talking about sharing their stories, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. We, we'll see where this goes. You know, it's, it's like everything, everything to me in this industry, the entertainment industry is... It's like it, it comes out of nowhere, you know. It, it, it like takes shape on its own. You know, I, I never thought I'd have. Three years ago, I had you know I didn't know anything about wine. I got my own <laughs> wine coming out, and uh, you know that that just goes to show you you never know what's going to happen when you're on a creative journey. Mm -hmm. uh, motivational speaking, I I never thought I'd get paid to go out and be in front of a bunch of people and talk about my life. Mm -hmm. You know, and people paying me for that now. It's it's crazy, and. Uh, I just got, you know, I just got contact to go MC some events. Friday night, I'll be I'm making a um, celebrity uh, appearance at this fundraiser, um, Judge and Barbecue. <laughs> you know, on the 18th, wow. I'll be at the Bigfoot Festival, dressed up as Bigfoot. <laughs> you know, it's like, you never know. You never know what you get with me, <laughs> seriously. I'll be Bigfoot, and I've done it before. Have you ever seen that, uh, the Bigfoot deal? Uh, I got hired to go in to be Bigfoot one day uh, for these kids. It's like this initiative to, to get people to slow down when they're kids' zones, mm -hmm. um, speeding zones. Right. And, and so I spent, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning and spent four hours putting, getting makeup put on me. It looks so real, too. But anyway, uh, so as I show up, they told me all they had to do was go out there and just be Bigfoot. They didn't have to talk to anybody. We pull up, and almost every news channel in Portland is outside. <laughs> like, he's here, and they open the door, and all these kids. Anyway, it went national. It was on national TV. It's in the news all over. And, and in Oregon, it was a trip. It was a trip. So, I mean, you never know. You never know. It's, so it's, a good it's an amazing ride. It's an amazing ride. It's a good chance if I go to any event in Oregon, you'll be there in a cameo role somewhere. You never know. <laughs> I mean, you never know. <laughs> I mean, this Bigfoot thing is, is um, intriguing to me because, you know, people have called and asked me, hey, and I'm like, hey, it wasn't my outfit, you know. But they asked me, so I had to kind of um, partner up with um, Ravenous Studios, the makeup artist. She does special effect makeup artists. And mm -hmm. hey, I got this demand to be here. You know, can you help me out? And, uh, you know, so we got agreement going. And, and so now I'm Bigfoot, you know. <laughs> Swiffer dad, Bigfoot. <laughs> you never know what you get. Awesome. Um, I'm curious if you uh, met a minority wanted to be in the wine industry or wanted to own their own winery or something like that. What, what kind of advice would you give, uh, now, knowing what you know now about a minority joining the Oregon wine industry? Well, I, I would tell them actually to watch the red, white, and black off the back, and um, I'd introduce them to to the people that's doing it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're a minority and and um, whoever you can relate to. If it's a Hispanic kid that comes to me, I direct, I bring him out and introduce him to um, Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a woman, Remy. And there's a lot of, there's, and there's a lot of women winemakers here, mm -hmm. actually. But, you know, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take them to, you know, hey, because I'm at that, at that stage now, it's like, hey, come out with me, come meet this guy. Mm -hmm. Come see what they're doing. Uh, sure. That's the best way to do it. 
that's all the, all the questions I have for you. Uh, okay, is there anything great. else you'd like to mention here at the end? Anything I should have um, asked you? Any last plugs for jbjrproductions.com? Oh, so um, anyway, my, my production company, JB Junior Productions, and uh, uh, my focus has been on indie film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's shifted quite a bit now. I'm doing talk show, TV talk shows, and reality shows, and um, and, um, and commercial work. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm always looking for good, unique projects, very unique projects um, that actually um, inspire people and inspire the community. So if anybody's looking for some advice, you have to hire me, but if you just want some input, some thoughts around it, then reach out to me. Sure. And um, you can reach me at jbjrproductions at gmail.com. Nice. Well, thank you so much for your time, for thank all your you. answers and candor, and uh, we'll go ahead and stop there. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.